Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 419 for Tuesday, the 29th of September, 2015. I'm Robbie Ferguson. Tonight we're going to be looking at a, uh, a barcode scanner that actually is able to scan not only plugged in, but also over Bluetooth, kind of taking the whole mobile POS thing to the, the next level. You want to stick around. Welcome to Season 9, by the way. We've got a great show planned for you, a great season ahead. Uh, Sasha Dermanis is here with us. Sasha, how are you? I am great. Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg has announced plans to help bring the internet to UN refugee camps. An Ubuntu-based open source operating system is running on or running 42% of Dell's PCs in China. According to a study released yesterday by NASA, water, a key necessity for life as we know it, still flows sometimes on the surface of Mars. Chinese smartphones mounted a massive web attack against an unnamed company website. Android 6.0 Marshmallow is coming to Nexus owners next week. And Facebook has launched a 360-degree interactive video with a Star Wars exclusive. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Kid and your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to Category Five Technology TV. It's episode number four nineteen, and I'm Robbie. Love for you to help me welcome my friend Jeff Weston to the set tonight, our newest uh, addition to the Category 5 family. Good to have you here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great start. Couldn't have planned right. that. <laughs> How you been? I've been good. Uh, I'm excited to be here. It's been, uh, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, uh, for those of you who are longtime viewers, uh, was on episode 9. Mm-hmm. I'm talking nine weeks into this show. Yeah. Jeff was on the show, um, and uh, I guess uh, because you weren't in town, we could never really hook up to That's true. do a regular yep. appearance. He's just moved uh, near the studio, so uh, here he is uh, on board for season nine. So I'm looking forward to it. going to be very, very good. So that's Jeff Weston, everybody. Recognize the face. Uh, he's going to be your best friend for the next uh, 12 months. Oh, best. I have a contract length? 12 months? Oh, at least. Oh. At least. How- good to know. How come Jeff is the best friend? Jeff is one <laughs> of the best friends. We are all best friends here, Sasha. <laughs> I am a middle child. <laughs> yeah, she didn't, she didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to our chat room. Want to say hey to Bob K54. I saw Al Peck is joining us again this week. Nice to see you. Uh, Garby's here. Who else is with us? Uh, we've got GWG, How Field. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Life of Pi is back with us again this week. Nate UK, good to see you. Nate UK, every time I see his name, it reminds me that we've got our Cody channel is stable. You can go to cat5.tv, uh, or pardon me, it's uh, github.com slash cat5tv. And right there is uh, our Cody channel, which yes. will allow you to uh, watch Category 5 TV on Cody. So that's yes. pretty awesome. Thanks to Nate UK for making that happen for us. Dreamweaver909, nice to see you. Toby also back again this week uh, after a fairly lengthy um, away from the show has decided to come back, and we appreciate you being here. Um, so thanks. thanks for being here. Cool. Um, so, Jeff, you're, you're brand new. So yes. there may, you know, I, I purposefully will have some awkward pauses. Perfect. Tonight, Excellent. Just to, just to help Jeff to get the feel of the show. Yes. We've got tons of viewer questions um, that are, we're going to be looking at a little later in the show. Um, today, we all raise our mugs. It is international, or I guess national they call it, but international we'll call it today because this is a worldwide show. Yes. International Coffee Day. So cheers, Sasha. Ooh, cheers. Cheers, everybody. All right. Um, so what are people doing uh, to celebrate 
International Coffee Day. We've got I our know. mugs. They're going. Mm-hmm. They're buying our mugs. That's what they're doing. You Can you see <laughs> those? Celebrate. You want to get a look at that? So these are our, our Studio D coffee mugs. They're available at shop.category5.tv if you want to pick one up. We've got a, a great selection there. You see them here on the set. Uh, who else is participating in, in National Coffee Day? We've got StarTrek.com. 20% off all drinkware, which is awesome. <laughs> so if you want a Starfleet encrusted mug, that's pretty cool. You have to use the coupon code on checkout. Cheers 20. That's the number 2-0. Not yeah, 2-0. Yeah, not spelled out. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine Janeway, Janeway, incidentally, was a big coffee fan. Yes, she was. So, um, so it makes sense. Yeah. It really makes sense. I would sense. agree with that, yep. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Tell us about Dunkin' Donuts. What are they doing? Well, well you can get a free medium cup of uh, Dunkin' Donuts hot or iced. There's Dark. still time. Yes. There's still there time, go. folks. If you've got a Dunkin' Donuts near you, Pete's Coffee and Tea has got a free small cup of Pete's Major Dickinson blend mm-hmm. with any purchase of a baked good, oatmeal, or fresh food item. Krispy Kreme. I like Krispy Kreme. You can get a free small coffee. An original size donut. And a donut? And And a Krispy Kreme donut? And a donut. Glazed nonetheless. Eight seconds in the microwave. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Wawa has free coffee in the size of your choice. (laughs) Extra large. (laughs) I will take a barrel, please. (laughs) Who goes and gets a free coffee and says, I'll have a small, please? A lot of people, believe it or not. That's nuts. I see it all don't, the time. I don't want to take advantage of the system. Yeah. I, uh. Sasha, all, do you that's have... That's very Canadian. That's yeah. a very Canadian <laughs> situation. I, I'm getting it for someone a, else. <laughs> I have a coffee story, though. Today I was given a free cup of coffee from uh, Galapagos Islands. Ooh, tell us about Ooh. that. It was $50 a pound if I wanted to buy the pound. But first <laughs> one's free, and there you go. Fifty. So they I get you not, hooked. Was it, was it incredible? It was, was it the best? incredible. Yeah. I think probably tasted better because I knew it was $50. Oh. Was, was <laughs> Charles okay. Darwin approved? Likely. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we've got Lamar's Donuts has given away free 12-ounce cups of coffee and free mugs while supplies last. Nice. So get on over to, uh, to Lamar's Donuts. Yeah, Sheets. You get a free coffee from there. Great. And uh, Staples, if you want to go on the tech side, if you uh, put a photo up on social media, hashtag office mug shot, you drinking a coffee, you can get a uh, chance to win a free coffee pack. Oh, well, here's our picture. That's right. Hello, Staples. Send me a coffee pack. Hashtag this. So happy, very happy International (laughs) Coffee Day to you. It's always fresh coffee here at Studio D, too. So you could always come and sit in like Al Peck did just a couple weeks back. Mm -hmm. Sit in the studio and enjoy the show live. And uh, the coffee's always fresh right here at Studio D and always free. Yes. Even when it's not International Coffee Day. So, There's nothing wrong with that. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Bob K. 54 clarifying for those of us who wonder. Uh, Wawa is a convenience store chain mainly in Pennsylvania. Yes, not the city in Ontario, Ontario. Canada. That's not it? No. <laughs> no. We all just drove Although, to Wawa for nothing. <laughs> right. um, my sister, my older sister, her name is Sarah. And when I was younger, I used to call her Wawa all the time. So I thought it was great that there was a place called Wawa in Ontario. Nice. But now, now I need to go to Pennsylvania and buy her some... I don't know, good old postcards or something. <laughs> <laughs> I still think Wawa, Ontario is probably closer than Pennsylvania. A little bit. Yeah, maybe. A little bit. Road trip yeah. for coffee. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to everyone who has contributed to the show this week. Yes. Uh, of course, we've got bills to pay, and uh, it's been uh, a very exciting time for us as we launch some new partnerships. You can go to uh, to uh, easy way to find out what our partners are right now because we're in the process of building our new website for Category 5 Technology TV uh, is to go through uh, my other show's website. It's called The Show Show. If you go to theshowshow.tv click on Partners and you'll see all the partners there. Uh, You can get great deals on getting your own printed t-shirts. You can save money on royalty-free music for your presentations. Uh, You can use Amazon. You can use eBay. You can use Newegg and you'll be supporting Category 5 TV uh, the whole network as you do so. So thank you to everybody who's been doing that as of late. Should we jump right into it? Sure. We've got the Teamy TMCT10 laser barcode scanner. Close your eyes. Try saying that 10 times real fast. That would be tricky. <laughs> it would be tricky. Uh, this one's unique because it's got USB and Bluetooth. Yes. 
You came in with your tablet and said, it's I not going to work with my tablet because I don't have USB. It's true. Well, if you got an iPad, no problem. It's got Bluetooth right in this, uh, in this barcode scanner. So why do you need a barcode scanner? Well, for a lot of different reasons. To scan things, primarily. That's a good, good reason. That would be a good start. I should, I should just uh, make it clear. This is a, a scanner for like barcodes on boxes and stuff. So if you're doing inventory, yes. for example, or if you're setting up a shop, if you um, need to keep track of any kind of inventory or make sales, good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this scanner here from Teamy is, uh, because it's Bluetooth, it'll work with Windows, it'll work with Linux, it'll work with uh, Mac, it'll work with your iOS devices, mm-hmm. your smartphone, your tablet, your, uh, your Android devices. We've tested yep. it across many different devices. Um, there are apps, Jeff, that will allow me to use the camera in my yes. tablet as a barcode scanner. Yeah. Sounds was- like, okay, well, if I can do that, then why do I need uh, a laser scanner oh boy have i got an experience for you oh yeah so in prepping for this i downloaded a free app to my tablet and i tried to walk around my house and categorize all my kids lego boxes took me forever because i'm I'm zooming in i'm angling the camera wouldn't pick up some of the barcodes it was oh okay pain yeah because if you're using the camera you've got a you've got a focus that's right so you're waiting for that you know that Yes. In and out of the focus of your lens. And if you've got overhead lights that will affect because of glare, especially if it's a, like a shiny right. box or something. What about and dark? What if they're uh, Yeah, no, lights? dark. What? No. I, no. It's not going to work. No go. Would this work in the dark? Uh, surprisingly enough, it does. I knew the answer to this yeah. because we tried it just <laughs> before the show. Right. I said, Jeff, run into the washroom and close the door. With his yeah. tablet here. Yes. And scanning a barcode for a Raspberry Pi in the bathroom with the door closed, pitch black. Yes. Scanned it, and it, it came up on the screen. Yeah, no problem. That's Instant. Cool. Yeah. So use cases that I can see for this, of course, there's the, the home application. This is a, a great little portable device. It's, it's something you can just stick in a drawer, and it's good. Uh, but also for a shop. Mm-hmm. Um, Sasha, you could probably think of some uses for this in, in the restaurant as well, eh? Absolutely. I do the inventory on Monday mornings some of the time. <laughs> but <laughs> I can just imagine how much easier it would be for me just to zip around and, you know, tag all the bottles and go into the, the freezer. And I would only have to be there for minutes instead of, you know, hours counting yeah. boxes. I think <laughs> speed is a, is a big thing uh, with the laser scanner from Timi. Uh, speaking of the, using the camera and the app to scan barcodes, <laughs> it's slow. Yes. Brutally slow, if it even works. Um, and by slow... I'm thinking in, in terms of not, not scanning one barcode. I mean, because if I'm just scanning one barcode to do personal inventory, it's not a big deal. But if in a scenario like Sasha where she's got to inventory an entire bar, that could be a nightmare because yes. you're waiting for it to come in and out. Now, this scans about 100 times per second. So on my hand, I can actually see it flash 100 times per second. So perceptively, um, that's pretty much instantaneous. So yeah. if we scan something... With the scanner, it's yeah. instantly beeped, pops up, beeped. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really quick. You can check it out, cat5.tv slash barcode, um, if you'd like to get your hands on one of those. Um, it's going to save you time. It's going to also pay for itself very quickly. They're mm-hmm. not very expensive. Yeah. What else can we uh, well, from can a trouble, you do with? Well, what can you do with it? See, I, I, I'm a bit of an organized guy. Okay. Just, my wife will probably disagree with that, but, <laughs> but I've always said I would love to inventory our groceries, which sounds really ridiculous, but I've always wanted to... I'm thinking freezer. My freezer could really use that. That's exactly what I mean. Like, you buy all these things, especially if you go to, like, a bulk grocery store where you can yeah. buy massive quantities of stuff and, you know, scan it all, and then I know what I've got in an inventory. And it's like, hey, we're done with a bag of milk. Right. You know? That way you That's know handy. what you need to go shopping for instead of standing in the fridge yeah. going, I got the fridge door open for five minutes. What do I buy now? I think, though, in, in my freezer, what happens is you'll buy meat or you'll buy whatever, and you stick it in the freezer, and it gets compacted to the yes. bottom, and you don't, real, you don't remember that it's there. Freezer burn. Not even that, but just forgetting that it's there, and yeah. then you go out and buy it again. <laughs> I already had a roast beef in the freezer. Been there, done So that. I could do that. That's kind of cool. Um... Let's, let's actually give it a try. Let's, sure. let's see yeah. what this can do. So you, you said you installed an app on your Yes. On your I, I found a free uh, POS app on the um, Android app store, or the Google app store, because uh, I've got a 
Android, Android tablet. Yeah, Samsung. What's the tablet? Do you, do you know? Uh, it's I believe it's a Tab Four. I think. Okay. So anyway, the app I downloaded is called uh, MOA Number One Point of Sale. We'll put links in the uh, show notes for you. Yeah, uh, category five TV. What, what's interesting before we get into the app itself and and just connecting it to your uh, connecting the the TME device to your tablet. Um, there's been this transition, you know, as PayPal and other um, online payment processors have really risen up and, and become payment processors for small business. Um, there's an amazing trend with mobile point of sale mm-hmm. where even in shops now you go in and they're using an iPad or a Samsung yes. tablet, an Android tablet of any kind, and they're punching in point of sale right there on the tablet. Mm-hmm. Because you can do all these kind of Bluetooth devices, but yes. now you can add this as well to so much speed faster. things up. It's so much faster than yeah. going through the menus and having to find the proper skew, especially if you're swipe, 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 swipe in a yes. sales environment, I can see. Absolutely. Okay, so this app is free. Yeah, it was free. And it's just one that we're looking at because we wanted one that works with the barcode scanner. That's and right, yeah. And we could try it out. Yep, just pulled it up. And uh, so I've already, before the show, I, I plunked Raspberry Pi yep. right into the system. So... Uh, with the app, I just go to uh, add sale. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you can. Can you, can you see that? And maybe I can scan the Raspberry Pi just to see what happens here. All right. Can we? All right. We're ready. Are we ready? So it's on the barcode right there. Okay. So ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Look at that. Number pops up. So Raspberry Pi has popped in there? Raspberry Pi. $49.99 Canadian dollars. One quantity. Look at that. Nice. So if I scan it again, what happens? Two. two quantities. Quantity two, quantity three, four. You're racking up my credit card. You know that, right? Nice. <laughs> we are going to have an amazing delivery soon, folks. You're going to need that That's to cool. check out the inventory. That's very cool. Um, it does, we discovered, operate as a keyboard as well. Yes. Yeah. So That's kind of cool. Yeah. If you do install it and use it with your, you know, your wireless device, whether it be your phone or your tablet, whatever, be aware that this does work like a keyboard. Uh, I was about to throw my tablet out the window because I'm like, why can't I get my keyboard <laughs> the to keyboard's pop up? not working. And Rob's like, can I just turn off the Bluetooth? Then it worked. Well, I just turned off this. Well, yeah. Because it's, it is the default keyboard now, so you do have to set that up. Yes. So yeah. that you still have a keyboard when this is connected. But what that means is that I could, um, and I'll show you what's in the box, but I could actually use my computer and uh, bring up a, a spreadsheet and oh, like on sell, create like sell, a yeah. home inventory uh, or whatever spreadsheet application. Create home inventory on a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. scan in the barcodes. It's got serial numbers or whatever. So looking at the box here from the Teamy TMCT10, uh, just real quickly, comes with a USB charger so you can nice. charge it up. Charge cable, which is also, uh, it doubles as, a, it turns it into a USB uh, barcode scanner so that you can use it without having to use Bluetooth. Okay. Now, is that so that. you can sync it up to your computer? Or, like, does it have an onboard hard drive in any capacity? It does, yeah. And it actually stores up to 2,600 codes in the device. So if you're away from the computer, away from the point of sale, away from the tablet, and you can't reach it, you can scan inventory in the wine cellar downstairs, for example, and then a lot of bring wine. it up and sync it. 2,600 bottles of wine, that's a lot. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it came with a Bluetooth uh, USB adapter as well to oh, make nice. it so that if my desktop computer doesn't already have Bluetooth, now I can be wireless. So if you've got an older point of sale uh, or one that just simply doesn't have Bluetooth because why do you need Bluetooth? Because this is kind of a, a new way to do things. Right. Everything's hardwired, right? Yeah. Um, this will allow you to add that feature to your computer. So that's cool. So th- nice. that to say, now I can plug that into my computer and I can start scanning. And because this operates as a, a Bluetooth keyboard, there's no drivers to install. There's nothing that I need to do beyond just plug it in, turn it on. And now I've got uh, the ability to scan in barcodes automatically. Nice. Want to see something cool? Absolutely. Can you bring up the Amazon uh, website on your tablet? I can. While we, uh, while we have this connected and paired. It's really quite easy to use. It's the Teamy TMCT10 laser barcode scanner with the USB and Bluetooth. Um, if you've got a, a small shop, if you want to do home inventory, um, it's, oh, it's really I'm oh, off, you don't I'm have, offline. Oh, you don't have internet on it. No. That's cool. I could bring it up on my phone. Could we do that? Yes, we can. If we could. Okay. Absolutely. Because it is kind of cool. Bear with me. The kids got a kick out of this anyways. Amazon.ca. 
Okay, so just in the search. Yeah, no, just yep. wipe that out. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm wiping it so out. So show that show right. that to the camera there All and right. just highlight the search field. Okay. Search field is highlighted. Okay. Now watch what I'm going to do here. And we haven't tested this, but just assuming. Okay, so I've hit the scan. Oh. Did it? No, you know oh, what? Oh, we're not synced to the phone. <sighs> what would happen? Because, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> what theoretically would happen if we were planned ahead to have internet? Here, tell you tablet. what. Why don't we show them how easy it is to sync it with do Bluetooth? You want to pair it? Sure. Let's do it. it. Live TV at its greatest. I know. Okay. So what we're going to do? We're going to turn this off by holding in the trigger. There's only one button. Okay. okay. So now it's off. Now I'm going to hold it in for ten seconds. Okay. Now it's on, but keep holding. Two, three, now it's syncing. Four. Uh, uh, to Bluetooth. Did you hear that? Six. Oh, there it oh. is. Okay. So now, if you bring up your Bluetooth. Uh, Bluetooth. Oh, come on. It's waiting to pair. Yes, I know. Settings. He's going into Bluetooth. settings, folks. This there is intense. We there okay. we go. So you want to show the camera? All right. So I'm trying to pair to the device. Okay, it's got it. All right. Now I have to put in the pin. Which one, zero, zero, one, zero. Binary. It means awesome. There you go. Connected. Okay. We are connected. So Let's bring up Amazon. C A. There we go. Okay. Uh, Highlight the search field. Okay. Okay. Search Good. field is up. Okay. Clicking. Did it did it do it? Let's try it again. Nope. It did it on the tablet. It did, it did do it on the tablet, but not on the phone. Nope. Yeah, I bet we're paired with both. Oh, yeah, that's probably it. Let me turn the Bluetooth off on the tablet. All right, we'll try it now. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be safe, I'm going to turn it off, Jeff, and then turn it back on. Here we go. All right, it's on. Okay. Okay, ready? There we go. Okay, so what happened? Okay. Can you, can you see? There you go. It popped right up. So there's the Raspberry Pi. Ra- Raspberry Pi desktop. Okay. 512 meg. Right on there. <laughs> so there are so many different uses for it. <laughs> and uh, it's available through our, our shop. But go over to cat5.tv slash barcode to check it out. All the specifications are there on, uh, on Amazon as well, uh, which helps you to, to figure it out. We've got uh, what you can do is go to uh, your favorite app store and search for uh, mobile POS. And you're going to see some of the apps that are available for you. Uh, like like we said, we we're looking at a free one tonight. That's right. Does that uh, and that worked pretty well. Yeah, it worked great. The, the, uh, the free only, one didn't have it some didn't features. have inventory management. Okay, which uh, I was a little bit you know, for free. Come on, I man. know, I know. But hey, I want to inventory my fridge for free. So but, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. but there were some com- uh, commercial options as well. Uh, yeah, that looked kind of nice. You just need to pay a couple bucks for a point of sale software on your phone. Yes, tablet. Perfect. Yeah, it works quite well. Cool stuff. This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find us online at www.category5.tv. Welcome to my uh, latest co-host, Jeff Weston, joining us for the first time tonight as we make our way through the excitingness. And uh, hey to our chat room. Get your questions in. Uh, Jeff is standing by with email live at category5.tv. So we've got those. And we're going to take a look at your emails right after the news this evening. Sasha. How are oh, ya? is it the news time already? I'm all. <laughs> she's just, she's looking up POS systems. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was in the chat room. It's very interesting in the chat room right now. Yeah. We're talking about food that are that is from Canada, but doesn't seem to be like Hawaiian pizza. It's from Chatham, Ontario. Really? Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Why are knew? they calling it Hawaiian then? I don't know. Does huh. maybe the the pineapple is something that seems Hawaiian? Is I guess I don't see. Yeah, you pulled me out of the chat room. I'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> All right, it's Tuesday, September 29th, two thousand and fifteen, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Facebook wants to help refugees keep in touch with their families and aid resources by providing internet access to UN refugee camps. Dell has announced that 42% of their PCs sold in China are running an Ubuntu Linux-based open-source operating system. 
A study released yesterday by NASA reveals that water flows on the surface of Mars, which could potentially be used as a resource by future human explorers. And they're keeping the details hush, but Cloudflare caught a massive attack against a company server which was mounted from more than half a million smartphones in China. Google announced today that Android 6.0 Marshmallow arrives next week on Nexus devices. And speed across the Jakku Desert from Star Wars, The Force Awakens, with an immersive 360-degree experience created exclusively for Facebook. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg has announced plans to help bring the internet to UN refugee camps. Speaking at a UN forum in New York, Mr. Zuckerberg said that it would help refugees access aid and maintain family links. He also said Facebook would be a part of the new campaign to make the internet available to everyone on the planet within five years. According to Zuckerberg, the internet could help the UN meet its development goals and lift people out of poverty. He said, connectivity will help refugees better access support from the aid community and maintain links to family and loved ones. Some 3 billion people around the world have internet access and the connectivity, cam- campaign, the connectivity campaign aims to bring the internet to the other 4 billion people. That is a lot of people. Mr. Zuckerberg says that Facebook has nearly 1.5 billion users who log in once a month, and the social media site achieved a billion users in a single day for the first time last month. So this, I mean, if he could bring Facebook or the internet to the refugee camps, and then those people could connect with people outside of the camps and maybe develop relationships in maybe not only developing but i think facebook is the perfect platform and this is probably what mark is thinking i, I would expect mm-hmm. facebook is the perfect pla- platform to keep in touch right. with those loved right. ones that are away i think it sounds like a great idea this guy sasha though sitting behind mark i he not does not happy. think that is a great idea no, no. <laughs> not sure what his deal is folks wow but the girl on the other side she's into it She's into that. She's idea. right into yeah, it. She's right into it. She likes you know, his hair. The idea, <laughs> the, the idea of having internet available to everybody on the planet is incredible. I like the idea of having it accessible, and I think we did a news story once where they were thinking about doing balloons as like internet hubs or something. I don't. Yeah, so I think was Google like was planning something Google. like that, probably doing it already. So I guess Google and Mark are talking. You know what's going through my head right now is Scotty's voice saying, we don't have enough IP addresses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly true. what I'm hearing. I thought we did new IP addresses. I, they're working on it. Yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. Gotta be, it's got to be rolled out a little faster than they're doing, I think. Well, they have five years. <laughs> All right. Open source fans rejoice. The year of the Linux desktop has arrived, according to Dell. In China, Dell has reported that more than 40% of the PCs it sells run a variant of Ubuntu Linux that Canonical helped develop. Specifically, Dell said that 42% of its computers in China run NeoKillin, an operating system that originated as an effort in China to build a homegrown alternative to Microsoft Windows. Also known as simply Killin, the operating system has been based on Ubuntu for the past two years when Canonical began collaborating with the Chinese government to create an Ubuntu variant tailored to the Chinese market, which is why it's called Killin. I found out that Killin is a mythical deer-like creature. I had to Google and see why they called it Killin. Earlier versions of Killin, which had been around since 2001, were based on other operating systems, including FreeBSD. Ubuntu Killin looks and feels a lot like modern versions of Ubuntu. It sports the Unity interface and runs the standard suite of open source apps. 
However, Killen's default theme makes it look just a little bit more like Windows than stock Ubuntu. In light of China's hostility towards modern editions of Windows, the news does not bode well for Microsoft's prospects in the Chinese market. Still, Dell has a long way to go. 42% is indeed impressive, but Dell itself only holds 12% of the Chinese market. So overall, the impact of their statement actually affects less than 5% of the overall computer market in China, which is still predominantly Windows-based. Still, I like that's a, it's still a great thing. 42% sounds awesome. The way they spun that. Yes, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Sounds like a lot, but they're actually small in the market. Yes. And I love Linux operating system names. Like I like the, like there's Linux Puppy, right? Puppy Linux. Puppy Linux. Yeah. And now there's this Killin, which I thought sounded really violent until I looked it up, and it's just a mythical, peaceful deer. <laughs> oh boy. According to a study released yesterday by NASA, water, a key necessity for life as we know it, still flows sometimes on the surface of Mars. Strong evidence for seasonal flows of liquid salty water have been detected by NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Previously, scientists have found ample evidence that Mars was once a much warmer and wetter place than it is now, and could have supported life then. It hasn't been clear whether the colder, drier, red planet of today could still support some microbial life. Many scientists think that life could still survive deep underground, but not necessarily on the surface where it could be easily detected. The new study looked at streaks that form on some slopes on Mars during the warmer times of the year. Scientists previously suspected that they might be caused by flowing salty water. The streaks, which are less than five meters wide and called reoccurring slope lineae, appear in the summer temperatures. Uh, in the summer, when temperatures ca- can get above the freezing point of even fresh water and well above the freezing point of salt water, somewhere between uh, minus 23 degrees Celsius and plus 27 degrees Celsius. And then they disappear during the colder seasons. Mm. Oh, I wonder if the Mars seasons are similar to the Earth seasons, like if they have four of them. I don't know. But no salt water had previously been detected in those streaks. And now that has all changed. The Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter spacecraft has been orbiting that planet since 2006 and taking detailed images of the surface and scanning it for chemical signatures of water and minerals associated with water. They found signatures for waterlogged salts in the streaks, but not in the surrounding soil. The researchers wrote, These results strongly support the hypothesis that seasonal warm slopes are forming liquid on contemporary Mars. The brine forming the streaks would be far saltier than the Earth's oceans, perhaps 5% water and 95% salt, suggested Alfred McEwen, a University of Arizona in Tucson researcher who co-authored the paper. They would likely appear as thin layers of wet soil not more than a centimeter deep, not standing water. Mm. But because the streaks are visible over large areas of the surface of Mars, if you add it up, it could be a significant volume. Now NASA is reporting that water could be potentially used as a resource by future human explorers, decreasing the cost and increasing the resilience of human missions to Mars. Okay, see... This sounds really great until they talk about humans going to Mars and taking <laughs> the Martian water. Suddenly sci-fi. Because now all of a sudden I feel like, what if there is life on Mars that, you know, we can't see because it's, you know, subterranean or, you know, and now we're stealing. Microbial. The, we're ste- yeah, and we might be ingesting, not only stealing, but ingesting the Martian life. I just, I don't love the idea of bottling up Martian water, <laughs> drinking it. I don't know if it's, it's it's a huge announcement, but is it premature? I don't, you know, who who really knows? They they don't actually have water. They have detected certain minerals, and but it is interesting if you look over your your right shoulder there, Sasha. There's uh, you can see the the slopes actually kind oh, of moving yeah. down. It's pretty cool. It um, is. That's linear there. That's what it is. <laughs> that's water linear. I. I like it, but it scares me. I want them to leave Mars alone for the Martians. 
<laughs> You've watched too many sci-fi movies, I think, <laughs> More than 650,000 Chinese smartphones have been unwittingly enrolled in a massive attack that overwhelmed a web server. The huge attack saw the target site hit about 4.5 billion separate requests for data in one day. That's more than 52,000 requests per second. The tidal wave of data was traced to a pool of booby-trapped adver- advertisements that had been seeded with malicious code. Cloudfair, which uncovered the data deluge, deluge, revealed that the ads seemed to have been shown in apps popular in China. Analysts found that it relied on the widely used JavaScript language as it tried to knock the site offline. What was not entirely clear was how so many Chinese phone owners were tricked into visiting the pages hosting the booby-trapped ads. Speculation is that the hackers placed high bids on ad space, which placed their ads across many websites. Cloudfare did not name the company that ran the server that was hit. That's just scary because if Mm. they can afford to buy this really great ad space and then trick people... It's yeah. a clicking it and downloading. That, that almost seems speculative to me, but um, could they? I mean, they're hackers, right? Could they not set up DNS proxies or who knows? But Cloudflare knows what they're talking about too. So, but yeah, I mean, when when we buy ad space, for example, on Google AdSense, okay, um, you pay a certain amount to make sure that you're showing up at the top, and if they have the resources, which if you're if you're a hacker and you're doing it right uh you're making a lot of money That's they're true. they're making a lot of money so like in the millions and billions of dollars kind of thing so uh so yeah it's something that's perfectly possible but imagine a, a wide scale network of cell phones and and they're all infected right and then zero day happens and you know the countdown timer ends and all of a sudden all these people sitting on the transit system and all the kids with their phone playing angry birds suddenly are attacking a U.S. server or some other server. Right. And they don't even know. I'd be interested to know what kind of phones were used. You know, were they Windows-based phones? Were they... Yes, they were. They were all Windows-based phones. I don't know. Oh. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> because, I mean, you hear, you know, like Apple's talked about how, uh, you know, their phones can't... You can't get viruses or hacked or anything like that, so were Apple phones part are of Are they that? still saying that? I think they're still saying it, yeah. Are they? Yeah, even though they had that massive hack like two <laughs> years ago, they're still saying it. Yeah. Well, maybe 0% of the phones in the hacking were running Linux. Do you think? Ah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> well, but maybe. It, I mean, it's JavaScript, right? And JavaScript is a, a web language that uh, if you're, it's like Flash. Mm-hmm. Why has Mozilla said no more Flash mm-hmm. and finally put a stop to it? Well, because, and, and people are saying, oh, now I can't watch videos on Firefox. Well, there's a reason for that, and and so because they're trying to protect users, and it, it's cross-platform because it's not Linux, Windows, Mac. It's Flash that's mm-hmm. the problem. So here, JavaScript is the problem, but that's a that's a really big problem because JavaScript is everywhere and huge yeah. and needed uh, in today's web in- infrastructure. But do you think that this could be just to speculate a little bit? You mentioned a couple weeks ago, Sasha, or maybe last week, about um, Apple allowing the blocking of ads. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they maybe had some preliminary knowledge that these kinds of attacks were taking place. Right. Because we look at it from the perspective, and next week we're, uh, not next week, but uh, yeah, maybe it is next week. Sorry, I'm not, not entirely sure. Uh, but we, on an upcoming episode, we're going to be talking about um, how um, that's affecting legitimate advertisers, such as ourselves or people, mm-hmm. businesses that are funded by advertising. Mm-hmm. But then there's the whole other side of it where it's being used to hack people. Oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, there is the spin, too, that, I mean, they just want it to see, like, they want their program to be downloaded to block apps, or to block ads, right? So now they'll report on something. We don't know that it was ads that actually caused this. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. But they'll bring that up as a possible option, maybe, for some fear-mongering. You never know. Yeah. Usually I'm the conspiracy theorist. Hmm. true true mm-hmm. that talking about mars like there's aliens there no there's not aliens there's martians on mars oh okay sorry yeah i thought matt damon was the only one on mars apparently <laughs> he's the only martian right now google today announced that android 6.0 marshmallow will be widely available starting next week such yummy names 
Unsurprisingly, it will roll out to Google's line of Nexus smartphones and tablets first, with other devices receiving it at a yet-to-be-determined time. Android 6 does not have the huge visual makeover that last year's 5.0 Lollipop brought, but instead is focused around a lot of under-the-hood improvements for better stability and user experience. One of the new features is a power-saving mode called Doze, which lets the system shut down processes when it detects that the device hasn't been moved or used for a period of time. That's a smart move. Another headline feature is a revised app permission system, which will give users more control over the data that their apps have access to. Marshmallow will let you approve or deny access to things such as a camera or a location on a case-by-case basis, much like how iOS has handled permissions. Perhaps the biggest user-facing change is the Now on Tap feature, which lets Google's search engine look deep within apps, apps and scan content that is displayed on the screen to provide more information about whatever it is you're looking at. You'll mm. also be able to ask Google Now for more information in a more contextual way, depending on what you're looking at on your screen. It's not yet clear how many of these features will make it to the broader Android ecosystem, but Nexus owners can expect to be able to enjoy all of them. That's, it's neat, actually. I like some of the ideas, like if your phone hasn't been moving, shutting off some of the processes. That's smart, yeah. Yeah, because my phone dies quickly because I have so many background processes going on if I don't go in and, and turn them off myself. Yeah. So, way to go, and cool name. A short, exclusive Star Wars clip is among the first 360-degree videos to be posted on Facebook. The sequence, created by Lucasfilm's special effects team, allows users to look in all directions as the camera whizzes through the sci-fi scene. When watched on a normal computer, the mouse is used to move the view. On mobile devices, a user can move the device around to alter the perspective. Other 360 videos posted include content from Discovery, GoPro, NBC, and Vice. Currently, this type of video requires a relatively complex filming setup to achieve the 360 effect, the 360 effect. But as the technology improves, Facebook hopes it will become widespread among its users. They say, in the future, imagine watching 360 videos of a friend's vacation to a small village in France or a festival in Brazil, or maybe to Wawa. You'll be able to look around and experience it as if you were there. The new feature coincided with Facebook's now annual Oculus Connect event, a developer's conference for people creating virtual reality experiences and hardware. If it doesn't, and it doesn't require a Facebook account to take it for a spin. You can watch it at, you can watch the whole video at cat5.tv slash SWFB for Star Wars Facebook. That's cat5.tv slash SWFB. And it's a really cool video. I did check it out. It's neat being able to interact with the video. Yeah. It's cool. It makes you feel like you're exploring, like you're the yeah. master and commander. It, it, <laughs> it gives you a sense, though, with the Star Wars one, and you'll have to check it out at cat5.tv slash SWFB, but it kind of has a sense of a video game mm-hmm. to me. Like, So it's, it's immersive, but it feels like a video game because it's so CGI. Uh, but when it comes to real video, you think about the the GoPro rigs with multiple cameras shooting in 3D, right. uh, um, like a panoramic view, being able to now uh, take real life videos and put those into a 3D environment that can be viewed mm-hmm. online without special software and that kind of thing. Because that's always been the problem is that you've always needed special software to do it. And now, now they're ruling that out. So awesome. A big thanks this week to Senor Wences and Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story that you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thank you so much, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. It's episode number 419, which means it's season 9. Yes, it is. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. Nice to see you, everybody. Hi. And to those who are asking in the chat room, yeah, I'm the new co-host. That's him. Yep. He's in the chat room? I, I, yeah, Jeff I'm in Weston. the chat room. Yes. So it's really easy to figure it out, folks. Yeah. That's him. 
They, they need this. There you go. Ah, there we go. There you go. There we go. Welcome uh, to the show, man. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be here. Mm-hmm. You've got viewer questions ready for us. Um, I do. So we've had a few come in. Very cool. Thanks uh, for sending them in, folks. Yeah. So the first one here is from Stephanie. Uh, it's going to take a little bit to get through. Hey, Stephanie. All right. But I'll try and uh, make his, it quick. <laughs> the first viewer question is 40 pages long. <laughs> That's right. This is his initiation. That's folks. right. Here yeah. we go. Uh, so anyway, first off, uh, Stephanie wants to let you know that you're doing an amazing job. You're fantastic, fun, and Thank informative. You. So, Thank you. There you go. Uh, so December 16th, 2014, on episode 378, um, she says, you guys introduced uh, a Google Calendar alternative to the Google Calendar API, which is so confusing. Um, and so she says what you showed us was awesome and cool. She's trying to build a calendar yeah, yeah. event that, um, remember that, but she's missing some information. He or she, because I'll interrupt and say, I think it's Stephane. Just saying. Okay. Well, hello, Stephane or Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, if, if you're he, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, so Stephanie <laughs> is trying to uh, do this calendar, but is missing some information from a okay. coder's point of view. So, right. Um, so Stephanie sent a pic. It's a, uh, from a WordPress app. Okay. Um, it's an astronomy website. And if you look at the picture, it's a three-cell table with picture, title, and description. Okay. Uh, the question is, do I have to parse the summary field, specifically regarding the functional requirement to the website? Okay. Well, uh, first of all, Stephanie. Uh, it looks like you're doing a great job. It looks like you've taken what you've learned on the show and are creating something that's really working for you. It looks great. Well done, and uh, congratulations on that. Um, it's tough to know exactly what you need without seeing your source code. So a screenshot is great, uh, but if, if we could actually get our hands on the PHP source that you're working with, that's going to help us out uh, exponentially with regards to answering your question about you know, how, to, how to code it, what to parse. Um, so forward that along. I think that would probably be best. Um, what I see there, though, what, what I see, it looks like uh, you're doing a great job. Is there, is there anything in the, in the question that I can actually answer without seeing the source code? Um, it's, it's a tough call, eh? You can understand why that would be uh, different. Yeah, I mean, a little bit more description. Yeah. Um, so the item summary is so large of a container. Uh, says when... I need that. Where? I need that. Event status? I yeah. don't need that. Okay. Description? I need that. Where is reappearing again? Event status? Again, reappearing as is event description. So, so we're getting duplication in the, in yes. the array. Um, so that could be the, depending, again, I need to see your source code. That can happen if you're parsing from XML, for example, and you're converting it to an array. Okay. Then sometimes you can see duplication like that, um, and there are easy ways around that. Um, send me the source code, and I'd love to help you out, and we'll even do that on the air. Um, but without the source, it's, it's impossible to really know. So what I would do is I would grab that source, I'd run it um, locally in PHP, uh, just through the command line, see what it outputs, and then I would um, I would uh, do a printr on the array that's generated by the Google Calendar. So what Stefan is doing here is pulling the information from a Google Calendar and converting it over to a PHP object or array, and is outputting it to the browser in a format that's that doesn't look like a Google Calendar. Right. It looks like their own customized um, layout. So that's really really cool and. Uh, I would just want to see the source, and, and then we can help you out a little better. But I would print our the, the, the array itself and see what you're seeing. So Cool. Thanks for sending in. Anyways, keep up the good work. All right. Uh, so from MainGeek75, Hey uh, was just hey, watching Mangeek. the episode from September 15th. You're answering questions about Windows 10. If you install Windows okay. 10 from ISO USB, um, do you have the option to... Uh, sorry, you have the option to upgrade, but you must have the key if it's the first install. Oh, oh okay. This is uh, two weeks ago. We were talking yes. about Windows 10, and um, if you install the free upgrade. not the upgrade, but instead create the ISO and then wipe your system and then yes. install, right. even though you have a legitimate Windows 7 license, it won't get that license, and so then it's an inactive version, and you've got to buy. So, okay, so yep. just to give you some background of that, that what was happened the, there. That was a teeny drone episode. Was it? Or the, uh, you were 
Yeah. Was it Teeny Drone? Was no, the, the one outside with the camera. Was that? Yeah, you were here for that. So yeah. if you remember, that was a good one. Yeah. Oh, it was I an awesome that. one. That was Tune fun. into that. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Uh, so continues. If you choose to upgrade this PC, then as you stated, it will use your current version key. However, if at a later time you need to format the computer or reinstall, you don't have. Uh, you don't need the key. Oh. Yeah. All that will happen is that it will ask you for a key, but you click on the skip this button, and then Windows is finally installed, um, and you can activate it. It will automatically go to the activation site, and really? so as long as the hardware matches what's on file, it will activate. However, if it's different, then you'll need to go through the first step of the installation. Your hardware. If yes. your hardware differs. Yeah. If you change your CPU. Then you're okay, going to so, go to the first step. So it sounds like what, what, uh, what MainGeek is telling us here is that if I were to upgrade to Windows 10 mm-hmm. from Windows 7 or Windows 8 or whatever it is that I'm running that's, that gets the free update and then activate it, then, the, then I can create the ISO reformat my computer to get rid of all the cruft that's left behind from Windows 7, mm-hmm. do a full install, and it will be active because Microsoft took a snapshot. Or, uh, of your hardware. Yeah, they know everything about my hardware now. Since yes. I installed Windows 10, I've given them the authorization to know everything about everything. Of course, yes. Um, so I guess that would be a convenient thing. Yeah. I, I don't like upgrades in, in the sense that, like I say, if you upgrade to Windows 10 from Windows 7, there's a lot of stuff left behind from Windows 7. Yeah. And so I'd rather do a fresh install if I were to do it. And they're also very different operating systems in the way that they function. So you're going to sure. have tons left over. But if you're on Windows 8, 8.1, especially Windows 8, though, um, and you want to get back to a more traditional interface, but um, Windows 10 is, is a lot faster, mm-hmm. and you don't mind the privacy issues, um, then... It's it's probably a good upgrade. Maybe that's what happened with all those Chinese phones. They all upgraded to Windows 10. Mm-hmm. You think that's what did it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For now. There's a great tool which we'll show on the show. Uh, I suppose I should do an, an install of Windows 10 at some point. Um, and uh, there is a, a great tool uh, that is freely available. I'll post a link for you in the show notes. But it, it allows you to uh, add the registry keys and change the registry keys with a couple of clicks. Oh, cool. Just with checkboxes to enhance the privacy by disabling some of the features. But keeping in mind that you're only really changing a registry key that Microsoft has allowed you to change. Right. So you're not really turning off things in the back end. You're just changing a setting in the security settings. So. Cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll show you about that. All right. Thanks for the email. Uh, so another one here from Old Salt. Hey, Old Salt. Says, hey, Robbie, I have a dual boot system. Point Linux and Windows 10. Don't like 10. Now, oh. Yeah. After we just said, oh, it's probably an okay upgrade. <laughs> if you don't mind the security things. That's right. Old Salt hates it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but now that 10 is on the notebook, I can't roll back to 8. I tried to boot. Oh, yeah. Tried to boot into Point with my boot stick this morning, but it didn't work. Boot stick was made on Linux, Windows 8, dual boot before upgrading to Windows 10. I'm just realizing if you don't know what is being said here, out of context, it makes absolutely no sense. Th- that's fair. Booting from point from the stick. <laughs> yes, that's right. So we got a pointy stick. All right. So point, point Linux is the distro, the, the Linux version. What's up, Sasha? You were going to ask, was that the Linux distro? Yes. Yeah. Yes, right. continue. Okay. <laughs> so point Linux on a stick is the flash drive booting up but can't get windows 8 back yes plain and simple you've upgraded to windows 10 it's gone yes so all of that to say the question is actually really quite simple okay uh so old salt thought we did an episode on this but can't find it Hmm. i I don't believe that there's any downgrade process old salt there's no undo button when it comes to upgrading to windows 10 Uh, however you've got the license key for windows 8 uh, you may have the li- uh, the installation media um, that you can reinstall. If I can go back in time, and I know it doesn't help you, Old Salt, but maybe it will help the next person who's thinking, hey, maybe I'll, I'll do a uh, Windows 10 upgrade, um, just as an example. So I know it doesn't help you, Old Salt, but uh, when you say that we've done an episode and you think that it related to this, I think what you may be referring to is when we taught how to use... Uh, clonezilla 
which okay. you, you boot up from a flash drive and you create a clone of your laptop or your computer. So you've got Windows 8 installed or Windows 7 or whatever. Before you say yes to that upgrade on Windows 10, boot from Clonezilla. And what it will do is it will create what's called an image of your computer. And that is exactly a copy of everything that's on there. So that's not only a backup of all your files, but it's also the operating systems, all of your partitions. So be it Point Linux, Windows, whatever. So then you save that to a, a NAS unit or something else on your network or an external hard drive and get it off of the system. Then you run through the update process to Windows 10. And you say, oh, I hate this, which is the case for you right now. And so then you just boot back up from Clonezilla, you plug in that drive or connect to the NAS, and you take the image and go through the reverse process of now taking that image and putting it back onto your computer. Right. And so then, next time you boot up, it's exactly the state that it was the first time that you ran Clonezilla. Right. So that's what I would suggest doing before running through the upgrade process of Windows 10, if you suspect that it may be something you'll want to undo. That's really the simplest way to do it. And given some of the comments I've been hearing about Windows 10, not everybody's a fan. It's hit and miss, so it's probably smart to do something like that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, for home use, I think it's it's all right. Um, it's certainly faster than, say, Windows 8. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of problems with certain hardware and, and especially software and business. Business is what we're finding is that... Um, uh, big big vendors don't update their software as regularly as yes. they should. And yep. so you, you get software that uh, a business relies on, and you say yes to the question, do you want to upgrade to Windows 10? And suddenly that software that you're relying on to do inventory, to do whatever else, uh, part lookups and things like that, no longer works. Mm-hmm. Or the hardware that you have no longer works. And sure, you can boot into Windows 10, but the stuff that you use for day-to-day business doesn't work. Outlook is another example, Microsoft Outlook. Yes. Um, that's a huge thing that you use for Windows, uh, on Windows for email if you're in business. Mm-hmm. You're using a MAPI connection to an Exchange server or Zimbra server. And if it breaks because the version of Outlook that you use is not entirely compatible with Windows 10, then you lose access to email or have some weird anomalies or corrupted data files and things like that. So it's, yeah. it's a, um, a f- for home use. I wouldn't do it for business at this point. Cool. Okay. Uh, Comments from Garby. Yeah. So uh, Garby, uh, I guess. Hey, Garby. Taking a look from uh, the chat room in the past. Someone wanted to know about Chromebook the other week. Um, ah, yes. Episode 417, I believe. Two weeks ago. Yes. Um, so what they're saying is uh, some links were provided of, um, of Garby's favorite Chromebook. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you know what? The question came in from SoundPro69 saying, what Chromebook should I go with? And I'm honest, and I'll gotcha. say okay. I'd ask Garby. Garby's the guy in the chat room that knows all this stuff uh, when it comes to the Chromebooks. So um, he came into the chat room and said, here's a couple of my favorites. Uh, there's the Asus Chromebook Flip and says it's got touch um, and it's not too expensive. Then the other one that uh, he would recommend is the Acer Chromebook 15. Um, says can't beat the Pixel. The main downside to the first one, the Flip, is that the processor is not that great. Uh, ARM-based Chromebooks always seem to be fairly laggy. So those are the two recommendations that came in from Garby for you, Sam Pro 69. Cool. So, do we have, uh, like, we've got 30 seconds, Jeff. We've got 30 seconds. Where's right? the time go? All right, go, <laughs> go, go, go. So he's, quick, he's a quick one about the Epson printer. Yeah. Um, awesome. So don't know if you got around to it, but you might want to mention that the ink provided can print 11,000 black and white or 8,500 color pages, and a $20 refill of black uh, can print 6,000 pages. Wow. Yeah. 20 bucks to refill it? That is a screaming deal. It's economical, yes. isn't it? Do we have enough time for Jeff just to come step onto the set here with his awesome green shirt? <laughs> oh, no. Would he just disappear? Yeah. Well, the chat room would like to see his floating head. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, that's I, I suppose I can do that. That's what we'll, All right. That's how we'll end the episode. You'll have to, we'll have to unplug you before. Oh, you've yeah. got oh enough. no. He's got, got enough space. Have I got, have I got enough? He's yeah, got just enough. dip okay. on over. It's right. Sit, sit floating here. Floating head. <laughs> Okay. This is what I have to deal with, folks. All right. <laughs> Am I floating? Or yeah, kind of, sort of. Lose the blazer. Oh, blazer's got to come off. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
And so does the microphone. <laughs> there we go. That's what happens, folks. <laughs> Sasha, get in here. Everybody have a oh, <laughs> have a fantastic week. Looking forward <laughs> that to is an, awesome. Sorry. <laughs> looking forward to an exciting season with you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Tuesday night. Good night. Wave, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 